I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to my dear friend and student, Jesse Israel, who is quite a mover and shaker in the meditation scene here in New York City with uh, his events, The Big Quiet and Medi Club, exposing tens of thousands of people to the practice of meditation in a really kind of accessible and contemporary way. And he's also just graduated as a teacher with the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program and was asking a question about the role of vulnerability while being in the position of teaching and leading. It's a fascinating episode. One thing that I'm noticing as I'm um, watching more people step into leadership roles or teaching roles within the realm of meditation and wellness is that uh, vulnerability is becoming a trend. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of value in that because like we've talked about, revealing truth is powerful and important um, and relatable. But I also wonder if sometimes there's a boundary to how far we go into our vulnerability as leaders or teachers. So I'm wondering, uh, as someone who is now stepping more into teaching, um, do you feel like there is a boundary for how vulnerable we are as we teach and share about ourselves with our students? Absolutely. Um, in the role of teaching... Uh, we have a responsibility to keep our attention on the needs of our students. And as a teacher, it's not about us. <laughs> it's about our students. And the line becomes very blurred when the teacher uses the teaching position where that individual has everybody's attention <laughs> to use it <laughs> as a means of therapy for themselves. And that's an abuse of the role and not what it was that you put on the pamphlet <laughs> when you came to, 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 when people signed up to come and learn with you. It's really, really important, as far as I'm concerned, that if you have the responsibility of guiding somebody, that there is boundaries put in place, unless, of course, the process stipulates that you become vulnerable. And um, I know of only a very few processes, modalities that enables that and requires very, very safe and particular conditions for that to be effective. Other than that, um, I think it's, it's irresponsible and unwise to um, one only exposes their vulnerability to the extent that it will alleviate the suffering of another. You use it as a teaching device momentarily to create connection. Hey, I can relate. I too had an experience like that. Maybe give one other sentence and then full stop, period. <laughs> End it there. Connection's been made, job's done. It's not then <laughs> an opportunity for you to start venting. Did that answer your question? Yeah, and to, to push it forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Outside of the classroom, there are other platforms and, and ways that people are teaching and leading, like social media, I think, is a really interesting one. So I, I'm kind of curious to get your take on how you feel like the act of revealing the self to the, the great unknown public through social media mm. kind of plays a role in this conversation and the boundaries there. Yeah, well, vulnerability is very trendy. And 
I think there's a gross misconception that vulnerability is power. Vulnerability is a gateway to our power, but it is not power. And when we're truly being vulnerable in an environment that is supported, the vulnerability lasts for about two seconds to maybe 60 seconds. And then you move through that, (laughs) the fear and the discomfort and all the terrible imaginings that you had prior to revealing what was making you vulnerable. You start to realize, oh, all of it was imagined. I had nothing to fear. Everybody's kind of loving and accepting me and not judging me. There's nothing to be vulnerable about. (sighs) You move through the other end of it and you move into a state of empowerment. I say vulnerability is the gateway to our power. Vulnerability is not power. And this is where I think there's a lot of confusion out there at the moment. It's very cool and trendy to to just expose all of the stuff that's going on inside of you. And the more shocking you are, the more likes you're going to get on your Instagram post. To me, it's it's you know it's what I describe as a process of ripening. You know, it, it's a it's a process that people are in discovering things. But these people that are exposing vulnerability in that way, I ch- question whether they're actually really vulnerable, and they're just using exposing themselves in that kind of way as a marketing tool to attract attention. <laughs> um, true vulnerability is very scary, and I think that for most of the people that are sharing their vulnerability on Instagram and things like that. I question whether they are really vulnerable. They may have discovered power beyond that vulnerability, and because they're comfortable in it now, they feel safe to talk about it, but sort of, or because because they've moved past the actual fear of it, and they felt a degree of power talking about it, they're going to capitalize on it a little longer. They're going to talk about all these things more and more and more. I'm actually over it, quietly, just between you and I. But because I'm over it, I can talk about it as if I'm vulnerable and get some (laughs) kudos for being vulnerable because it's trendy. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I've done it myself. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, you know... You, you've gone on a remarkable journey, you know, with the Medi Club and you getting up there and, you know, really walking that fine line between how much you share and how much you don't and being truly vulnerable and then not being vulnerable. And we've had lots of conversations about all of this. And I think that it's very important that if somebody is talking about experiences where they were vulnerable but they're no longer, that they need to speak from that place of empowerment and not play the vulnerability card because it's cheap, it's nasty, and it just creates confusion. Because people believe that they need to be vulnerable and appear vulnerable in order to appear authentic. It's not claiming power. We need to claim our power. We need to acknowledge our vulnerability when it's there, be sincere in moving through it, but when we've moved through it, go, right, that's done. I'm no longer vulnerable right now. I experience vulnerability and I can talk about it retrospectively, but right now I'm empowered. That's really important because that creates a new narrative of what power looks like. And I just don't think we're quite there yet. 
you uh, know, in terms of like, you know, the trend. Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I think that it's, I, I agree with that. And I also feel like a, lots of people are in a beautiful process of figuring out how to get there and guidance and input around how to get there is really needed right now. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I, that I heard recently from an advisor that I thought was really interesting when it came to public speaking and vulnerability, he's a former minister. Uh, and he said, um, he encourages people who are going to, um, share their truths in front of groups to share from the scar, not from the wound. Correct. So mm-hmm. do you have framings or ways to help people understand the place at which it makes sense to share in a way that's empowered and not sort of victim state? Mm-hmm. I mean, that statement sums it up beautifully. We've talked about that as well. When, you know, you were going through that big experimental phase in the Medi Club of, you know, how much do I share? I'm like, share if you're resolved. So share from the scar, not the wound. I love that. I've never heard that before, but I, I love it. I'm going to use that. But I, what I say is share what you have resolved if you're in that public format so that you can speak about it from a place of empowerment and you're doing a service to the people that you're sharing with as opposed to just getting up and spewing on them your vulnerability. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're all sitting here vulnerable too, you know. Giving, giving people permission to be vulnerable is wonderful, but in a position of leadership, I don't think it's enough. It's not enough to just give people permission to be vulnerable. You have to go to that place where your own personal power is, embody that, and this is actually what makes you a leader. It's like, hey... I've gone through some of my vulnerability. I'm through the other side. This is what I've learned. Let me share it with you. And that's what you've done. I've watched you time and time again do that in such an artful way with your MediClub um, community. And I've watched the impact it has because, one, it's given people permission to be vulnerable, but not stop there. They need, a, they need to have an example of what empowerment looks like. You always, at the end, in your anecdotes, your stories... You went, and this is what I arrived at, and this is where I'm at now. And people go, ah, okay. And you see the difference? Vulnerability is not enough. It's great that, you know, we're given permission to move into it, but we're moving through it to get somewhere. And where are we getting to? The truth of who we are, the power of who we are. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Jesse. I think it's very important that we're constantly checking in with ourselves about how we relate to our vulnerability and how we're utilizing that to, one, access our power and two, to inspire and uplift others. And to the extent that we expose our vulnerability sincerely and genuinely to give others permission, then it's it's a wonderful and powerful gift. However, you know, there is a line to be drawn and it's very important that we hold ourselves accountable for when we're using the principle of vulnerability as a means of connecting and staying there and and remaining safe in that space is where we really actually compromise our true power. Special thanks to our show producers, Trevor Exter and Sean Tomlin. Music by Ali. Special thanks to Andrea Stern for allowing us to record all of our sessions in her beautiful studio and to all the One Giant Mind team. Thank you for listening and being a part of One Giant Mind. 
If you don't already and you're interested in learning to meditate, an easy free way is to download the One Giant Mind Learn Meditation mobile app on iTunes or Google Play. The best way to learn, however, is from a teacher. And if you're interested in learning the One Giant Mind technique, email us at teachers at onegiantmind.com and we'll help you find a teacher in your area. If you're a passionate meditator and the idea of becoming a teacher is something that inspires you, consider becoming certified with the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program that I've developed. The certification program is 100% online and can be done on your smartphone, laptop or tablet anywhere in the world. Teaching could be one of the most fulfilling experiences because you're having such a meaningful impact in people's lives. If you're interested in enrolling and would like to receive a special discount, email teachers at onegiantmind.com and mention the One Giant Mind podcast to get a great discount. Finally, if you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends and give us a review because it improves our rankings and helps others find this podcast. And I really hope you can join us for the next episode.